Welcome to Chi Alpha. I'm glad you are here. Super pumped uh, for our conversation this week. Uh, love all you guys. It's really fun sometimes how God works. Before we dive really into that, um, I hope this is the best 60 minute study break of your week. Absolute best 60 minute study break of your entire week. I hope that's why you are here. Um, to have the best 60-minute study break of your week. Some of you were like, I haven't studied all week, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope this is the best 60-minute study break of your week. You are here, and when you are here, we hope and pray that you encounter Jesus. When you walk into that, this room every Wednesday night, whether you're by yourself, you bring a friend, you come once a year, whatever. Uh, if you are here, we hope you encounter Jesus. That's the reason and the purpose for our meeting together and singing. Uh, I also hope that you um, get to meet other people as well. Connect with others. Huzzah! Um, but that's, that's why you're here. So, we are going to have a lovely conversation this evening. But first, this is how you know it's going to be a fun conversation when I have to have a pre-conversation about the conversation. All right. So, when scripture makes me uncomfortable or offends me. Here's the truth. If the church you are in, if you attend church regularly and you have never been offended by what is being preached or taught, leave that church. Find a different one. Now, you shouldn't be offended by people, but you should be offended by the word of God. The Bible says that it's offensive. Why is it offensive? Here we go. All right. Here's two things that might happen. Okay. Number one, the person speaking or preaching must be wrong. This is usually our default. Unfortunately, this is my default most of the time. If it's not like me preaching, you know, or like the handful of people that I love and trust, I'm going to be like, nah, what they're saying is garbage. It's probably false. Uh, all the atrocities that they are spewing forth from their mouth. Uh, no, but unfortunately, I have this really weird, cynical, critical attitude sometimes, and that's not good. Um, but because of that, when the Word of God talks about what we've been talking about basically the last however long we've been in Peter, because he continues to talk about humility, maybe uh, humility is, is a key thing in following Jesus. So sometimes – now, sometimes this may be actually true, okay? Here's what's fun. The Bible says – okay? It is your job to listen to what I say and to judge every word of it. Absolutely. Isn't that exciting? Uh, Matthew, it says, judge not lest you be judged. Um, fantastic. Actually, it says, judge not lest you be judged, because in the same way you judge, you will be judged. So why don't you judge with truth? Why don't you look at the word of God and judge correctly? It doesn't say don't judge. That is not what it says. Okay. That verse is taken out of context so much. It's terrible. Okay, now, this may be true. What the preacher is saying may be true. Or maybe it may be wrong. You're like, hey, what are you saying? That doesn't really line up with the context of Scripture. That, that's not accurate, okay? That may be true. This is usually not, not the case for the most part, but there are other things. Now, the other one is this. What you believe or think is in conflict with Scripture. Now, here in Chi Alpha at Ottawa University, I do my best... To every time we are here on a Wednesday night or we're in a small group or we're just hanging out or whatever, if you ask me an opinion question, I'll do my best to share my opinion based off of the 
confines of what the Bible has to say. Now, going to school and having a degree in theology, I was told multiple times, there's no such thing as perfect theology. You're wrong somewhere. Thank you, professors, for that wonderful, joyous news. <laughs> but you're wrong somewhere, so we need to remember that, which means we need to study the Bible. We need to understand what's in it. So now that we've had our, our pre-sermon sermon for the other sermon, we're going to go into the, the sermon sermon. Great, so that took four minutes. All right. The correct view of God can only be established through a faithful engagement of Scripture. This is super important. A faithful engagement of Scripture. You should be in church. You should be in small group. You should be in Chi Alpha. You should be in groups. You don't have to do all these things, but you should be in communion or have good friends that you can talk about things about Jesus. It's okay. You can do that. Have I talked to you about Jesus? All right. A correct view of God can only be established through a faithful engagement of Scripture. All right. God has a sense of humor. How do I know this? Because we're going through 1 Peter, and we happen to be on the verses talking about relationships the Monday or the Wednesday before <laughs> Valentine's Day. Correct. Like, I was not thinking this a few weeks ago when I was sick and missed. Otherwise, this sermon would have been last week, but it wasn't last week. It's this week. Hooray! We can talk about relationships. It's going to be so exciting. Um, woohoo! Okay. Now, before we get into this, this is what we're going to do tonight. I am going to start off, I am only going to read three verses, and I'm going to read them right at face value, and then we're going to go back and kind of walk through a little bit about what they say. Is everybody with me? Yes. Are we good? Yes. All right. So, as soon as I start reading, there may be some of you that are like, oh, stop it. Okay. We will read first, then we will go back and read more. We're just going to read verses one and two, then we're going to skip to verse seven. Because I don't have time to break down all of those verses tonight. First Peter 3, 1 to 2. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then even, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives. Ooh, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Jumping down to verse 7. In the same way, you husbands must honor your wives, treat your wives with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you, but, <laughs> but she is your people partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. There is a ton to unpack this wonderful evening. Now, if you noticed, I skipped a bunch of verses. That's how much is in just these first seven verses. I'm not going to go over some of that stuff. It's about ladies. That's how you put clothes on and like what you should look like and all this other stuff. I'm not, I'm not about to go down that road tonight with y'all. Uh, we can do that. Nope. <laughs> um, all right. In the same way, you wives. Oh, there we go. In the, in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Now, some translations have this lovely word that people don't like using. Um, another way that Paul writes it, he says, submit. <laughs> Ladies, submit. I'm glad we've had this talk. Let's pray and leave. <laughs> um, happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. If you have been here the last couple of weeks or you haven't, but you've listened to the podcast, whatever, 
What have we been talking about every single week in 1 Peter? He's talking about our relationship with other people. Considering other people first. It's, that's what we've been talking about the first two chapters of this entire book. There's humility and how to treat other people. Which is important because it says in the same way. When he says in the same way, the context means you have to go back. Here's what's really fun. The context right before this, he's talking about slaves. And then he goes into ladies. <laughs> you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. This is so exciting. All right. Then, even if some, some refuse to obey the good news, okay, this is a big deal, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. That is a massive statement. Massive statement. You've probably, if you've been here for a little bit, several last semester I preached, had a, had a sermon, we talked about this idea. Um, one of the things that I don't like of whole, the whole um, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Well, it's a both and sort of thing. But this is a humility sort of thing. This is assuming that you are married to somebody who doesn't love the Lord. And your lives, the way you treat them, will get them to see God. Like, that's, that's a tall order. So, ladies. So, you don't even have to worry about this verse. Don't marry someone who doesn't love Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Fellas, don't marry somebody who doesn't love Jesus. That's stupid. Preach, Jeremiah. Okay. Okay. It's just, it, it's not a great idea. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. In the same way, he says it again in verse 7. It's the same phrase in Greek, in the same way. So he is saying, guys and gals, whatever you hear, okay, whatever you are, Ladies, do what your husband says. Listen to his authority. But then he says, in the same way, bros, you husbands must honor your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. That's important. If you're married, you should live together. All right. Um, she may be weaker than you are. I had a professor in, in, in college who would always tell us, he's like, yeah, I've been... Um, married to my wife for 14 years and we've been living together for 14 years. He thought it was funny. He was not. All right. Uh, she may be weaker than you are, which is, I mean, come on. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, let's move on. But she is your equal partner. This is huge. This is a massive statement. This happens throughout Scripture talking about this equal partner thing. Now, you've got to think about the culture that Peter is writing this in. This is a man-dominated culture. Ladies, in this culture, you would literally be considered property. And yet, the gospel says, no, you're equals. This is a big deal on both sides. Yeah. Christianity is one of the first religions... To offer women's rights. And not just women's rights. You are equal. Oh man, this is going to be fun. Okay. Treat her as you should. So your prayers will not be hindered. If you are a male in this room. And you want to get married at some point in time. This verse should scare the living crap out of you. 
This is a great verse. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Think about that for a moment. You treat your wife poorly and God will not answer your prayers. <laughs> what? Think of the gravity of this statement when Peter wrote this. When you were property. When your wives would have been considered property in that time. Treat her as you should so your prayers aren't hindered. Dang. Dang. This is a both and sort of thing. All right. We're going to look at three truths. I'm going to try to get through these relatively quickly. It's not going to happen, but I'm going to try. But three truths <laughs> um, from just these last few verses that we looked at. All right. Number one, Christianity is one of the first social and religious movements to call males and females equal. This is a big deal. Why is this a big deal? Because you are an equal person. You're a human being. Paul threw out a lot of the stuff that he wrote. Talks about, okay, there's no male or female, slave or free, Greek or Jew. You are all equals under Christ. This is a big deal. Because remember, we've been talking about humility. We've been talking about how we treat people for the last however many weeks we've been in First Peter. And yet, here we are. Peter writes again. She is your equal. The gospel is supposed to be offensive. And it, at this point in time, it would have been massively offensive for some people to hear this. Like the dude that's got 47 wives, first off. Guys, let me tell you something. One is more than enough. Because she is amazing. And God has given her to me as, as, an, as an equal partner. Um, and, okay. <laughs> okay. This is a big deal, okay? This is an important factor to know. Ladies, you're a big deal, okay? Okay, first off, I'm going I'm to share just a very few short stories of women in Scripture. The first one actually is by far my favorite. This chick named Jael. All right. Jael, whatever you want to call it. Which is funny for a girl's name to be Jael. I'm married to Jael. Anyway. Um, so, right. See? Okay. This chick is hardcore. She doesn't preach. She doesn't teach. There's a tyrant who's running away and hides in her tent. She's all sweet to him and gets him to fall asleep. Then she takes a tent stake and drives it through his head and nails him to the ground and kills him. <laughs> what? That chick's awesome. How cool of a story is that? Um, you're a tyrant. You are terrorizing everybody. Oh, come here. Oh, you're so sweet. Let's just take a nap right here as I drive a tent stake through your head. Okay, that chick's awesome. All right. Esther. If you don't know the story of Esther, you should read it. It's fantastic. It's also really, really, really uncomfortable. Um, it just is. Esther wins a beauty pageant. It's not just a beauty pageant. Um, well, anyway, we don't need to go down that road tonight. But she pleases the king. Okay? And becomes his wife. Take that as you will. All right, but Esther saves the Jewish nation at the time. Literally saves all of Israel. All the Jewish people. It's fantastic. It's a cool story. Um, the angel appeared to Mary first. This is a big deal. Remember, women, you are property. You can be considered property. 
And most of the guys at this time would have been like, no, if this was a real story, the angel would have appeared to a man. <laughs> because women, your brains are so small. Okay, that's not true, okay? First off, some people are like, oh, oh no. I'm go around saying Okay, but appeared to Mary first. The angel appeared to Mary first, not Joseph first, and say, hey, by the way, your wife, she's going to be pregnant. Mary had to explain this to Joseph. Oh, what a weird conversation. Weird. Anyway, women were the first people to preach the good news. Very first ones. The first ones to ever preach that, hey, Jesus is risen from the dead. Women. Women, you're awesome. Don't ever change. Stupidest yearbook quote ever. You're going to change, y'all. You're 18. Anyway, <laughs> women are the first people to preach the good news. These are important facts. Facts, dudes. Anytime you're like, she's the weaker of the relationship. Okay, whatever. Great, fine. Um, but women, y'all are amazing. You are important to the gospel. You are an important character in the kingdom of God. You are important. We need you. Why? <laughs> okay. Oh, I missed it. Messed up the, the thing. That's okay. Men and women are called to serve others, including their spouse. First two chapters of, of First Peter is this idea of serving other people, of being humble and walking humbly and serving other people, which is why Peter goes in the same way. Ladies. Serve your husbands. Maybe they don't love Jesus right now. May your actions show that you love them enough to show them Jesus. Cool. Dudes, in the same way. It's this concept of walking in humility and seeing other people, as it says somewhere else in Scripture, as more important than you. That's hard to do. I want to be important. Uh, I want to be... Served? Who doesn't want that? This is why the gospel is offensive. Because it says to you, this is what you want, this is what you desire, this is what you think you need, but is it in submission still to the King and King, the Lord of Lords? Is it still in submission to the Word of God? All right. <clears throat> this is the, the slide that I was hoping to show you from back here. All this stuff, that's okay, these all work. These are actually, this is not a comprehensive list, by the way. This is just a list of several of the verses throughout Scripture that are talking about the marriage relationship. It's a bunch of them. Um, the one in Malachi is probably my favorite. Look it up. It's glorious. Um, I'm not going to go through all of them. There's, there's just verses right there. Go through it. Uh, number one is also very fantastic. Genesis 2.18. Every dude in this room needs to have that memorized. What is it? It's not good for a dude to be by himself. God saw Adam. He said, hey, mm. he shouldn't be walking around by himself. Yeah, you know. Okay. Ah, he's coming up with stupid names for animals. We should give him a wife uh, that can help him out with some of those things. Yeah. Adam, name these animals. Use all of your creativity to name these animals. Dog. <laughs> Cat. <laughs> Cow. Anything more than three letters was Eve, all right? It just, all right? Come on, that's how it was. 
Uh, that is not biblical, by the way. That was just... Okay. <laughs> but all of these verses, uh, each one of them kind of has an example of marriage in and throughout Scripture. These are good stuff. Uh, did everybody get all this down they wanted to? Good, good. Okay, fantastic. The third truth, humility is inevitable. It always is. I said this jokingly, what, a month ago? And then as we are walking through 1 Peter, this, this is becoming more and more true and almost uncomfortably true. Because it's calling me to more and more and more humility. And I said this last week, but it fits so well with what's going on. God always calls his own people to greater humility. It's not necessarily the other way around. There's maybe two stories that I can think of off the top of my head where God calls somebody else into humility that's not a follower of Jesus, that isn't a Jewish person from the Old Testament or one of the Hebrews from the Old Testament. I can think of two stories, and that's about it. The rest of the time, he's calling his own people to humility. If you walk with Jesus... If you say that you are a follower of Jesus, this is it. You are called by God to be humble, to walk in humility. Can I prove that? Why don't we continue reading in 1 Peter chapter 3? Great! The next verse. Finally, all of you should be of one mind sympathizing with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and... Thank you, Peter. Keep a humble attitude. Man, I, I don't want to be humble sometimes. I want to be right. Being right is not a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> Bummer. There are some times, there are some times where God is calling you to be humble and that your humility is the proof and, the sh- and showing and preaching of the gospel, not necessarily your words. There are so many times that I have been uh, in conversations with students or whatever else or fights or whatever and you walk away and then that's when you think of the best line that you wish you would have said. That might be God's way of, of helping you maintain your humility even in that moment. Even if it was your brother or sister or mom or dad or roommate, those are the best. Especially if you're married. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't oh, don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. I am really good at that. I'm really good at that. Like uncomfortably so. Literally this last Sunday, Mallory, one of the ladies on the worship team, we were back in the back of the church after, I don't know, third service or something like that. And she was saying something, and I just replied with a snarky reply. And she laughed. She goes, I love your snarkiness. She goes, man, if you didn't love Jesus, you'd be a jerk. (laughs) I know. Unfortunately, I do love Jesus. I'm a jerk. Um, Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And he will bless you for it. For the scriptures say... Thank you, Peter. What the scriptures say? He's preaching. All right. <laughs> if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Peace doesn't just come naturally. Chaos does. Chaos is a natural state of the human being. Peace is a supernatural state of the human being. It doesn't come naturally. 
It doesn't. The only time, it, even, even when you're by yourself alone in the woods, some of you are like, that's the scariest non-peaceful place I can think of. <laughs> but uh, search for peace and maintain and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face to those who do evil. So this is 1 Peter chapter 3, 8 through 12, but he is quoting Psalm 34, 12 through 16 in this message that he's writing. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. There are some times where what the Bible says or what the Bible doesn't say is just as important as what it does say. I'm not saying, I'm definitely not advocating for you to read into the Bible and be like, oh, this must be what it means. No, 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 no. We know from this that when it says the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to those who are open to their prayers, that means the eyes of the Lord are not watching over those who are doing wrong, which means his ears are not open to their prayers, which is why Peter earlier wrote, husbands, treat your wives, wives well so that God will hear your prayers. So your prayers are hindered? Oof. Oof. How much fun is that? <laughs> How much fun is that? <sighs> I love you guys. I know that Valentine's Day is next week. Some of you, man, I was that guy in college that was like, National Singles Awareness Day. Uh, please don't do that. I openly mock you. Uh, I just do. I was that guy, and now I openly mock myself. I come, I come back to myself with my own snarky remarks. Humility is inevitable. We have to walk in humility. No matter what relationship it is. Now, this is going to continue... Because this last section that we haven't really got to is suffering for doing good. Now, that's a whole thing that we're going to unpack next week. I can't do that. I can't even start on it this week yet because we don't have the time. But the first two and a half chapters of First Peter, everything we've looked at over the last, I don't know, four weeks, something like that, has to do with our relationship with other human beings. Now, here's the fun thing. Between uh, Christmas and Valentine's Day is when 40%, sometime between Christmas and Valentine's Day is when 40% of couples get engaged. I didn't know that until about last week. I was like, that's kind of an interesting stat. Who's keeping, the stat, who's keeping track of those stats? That's weird. It's probably Mark Zuckerberg. Because, um, you know, you, if, it, if you don't post about it, it doesn't actually happen. <clears throat> it's true. You didn't eat dinner. I didn't see the picture. It's not possible. But as we were coming up on this day, what can you do? What can you do to serve others? And it doesn't have to be somebody of the opposite sex. It doesn't have to be somebody you're interested in. Maybe it's another dude on your floor that is emotional because he still doesn't have a girlfriend. Get him on. How? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <sighs> I will play the world's smallest violin for you. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate it. Thank you. I love it. But as this celebration, as this weird holiday of overpriced 
cards comes up. Here's my challenge for you. Stop thinking about only yourself and what you don't have. I mean, the first two and a half chapters of this book, that's basically what it is. Stop putting yourself first. Stop thinking about only yourself. How can I serve other people? Anytime there's some weird nonsense about women, you better submit to your husbands and know your place. Man, your, your, your place is right next to him, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, serving him, but his place is also serving you. Now, you have this weird place of one person choosing to submit and the other one not. But that's why Peter covers it here. He's like, you know what? If your husband doesn't love the Lord, submit anyway. Husbands, figure it out in the same way. So this week, even if you do have a significant other, what, who can you serve? How can you look outside of yourself and see someone else's pain, someone else's suffering, someone else's heartache, someone else's troubles? How can you minister to somebody else through humility? And maybe it's somebody you don't even like. That's the worst. God, why would you make us do that? But he does because he's awesome like that. Why? I've said it every week now, this entire series, humility is inevitable. Choose it or it's going to choose you. Who's ah? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the incredible amount of grace and the peace that you give us, that you watch over us, that you guide us, you guide our steps. And God, as the psalm says, or, or says Micah, actually, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart, everything we think about, may it be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. God, I pray for every student in this room tonight. That you would watch over them. God, that you would remind them through your Holy Spirit to maintain a humble attitude, to maintain humility. God, whenever my heart gets puffed up, whenever my mind gets puffed up, God, I pray that you would gently remind me that I'm here to serve you and to serve others. God, it's so easy for me to forget that. God, I do pray for your blessing. God, may we, even in this weird made-up holiday that we're going to be celebrating next week, God, may we think of others or attempt to think of others before we think of ourselves. I thank you for all you've done. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.